0: Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. We certainly would like to welcome each and every one of you on this Friday edition of the podcast. Lord willing, by now we are home, safe and sound, repacking, getting ready to head back out on the road. We'll be in Oxford, North Carolina, the Grace Baptist Church, and that's in the 600 block of Broad Street in Oxford, North Carolina. We'll be there, Lord willing, on the Lord's Day on Sunday. Uh, Prayer's at 930, and it kind of starts a long day. They'll have a meal in the midst of all of that. And so we always tell folks, just be there at 930 for prayer and see what the Lord does and what time we start church. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. And then Lord willing, after the afternoon service, we'll head down to New Hope, North Carolina. Brother Rick Rose will be preaching down there. And we certainly look forward to the ministry, look forward to the preaching of the word of God. We'll be with him in Black Creek, New York this year as well. Uh, He'll be in Wellsville that Sunday. I believe that's the 8th of October. I'll be preaching at Black Creek, New York on the 8th of October and thank the Lord that he's going to be with us again in the meeting. We thank the Lord for the ministry. And so pray for the McVays. We've got a lot of traveling to do, got a lot of places we need to go. And I just pray the Lord to help us, give us strength that we need as we travel the highways. Matthew chapter nine, and I'm going to add something to yesterday's podcast. We talked about Matthew. Jesus has called Matthew and he simply said unto him, follow me. And it's interesting that Matthew's called in chapter 9, but he writes the first eight chapters. It's one of the ways we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, Those holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Matthew could not bear record of these things if it were not by the Holy Ghost. And God has given him the utterance to record these things. It is a prophecy. Uh, it's truth proclaimed in the Word of God, and yet Matthew is now called in chapter 9. So some of these things will be Matthew's eyewitness account yet given again by the Holy Ghost. But Matthew will be eyewitness to much of Jesus' ministry from this point forward. And I don't believe it changes anything. It's the word of God. The Holy Ghost bear record of these things. The Father's bore record of these things. and The word himself has bore record of these things long before there was a Matthew that came along. To God be the glory. We thank the Lord for that. And so we see here in the word of God, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 10, and it came to pass as Jesus had a meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, They said to the disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And I studied this a long time ago, so don't hold my feet to the fire on this. But many years ago, I looked at that because I'd hear people all the time talking about not going to eat with sinners, with such and one know not to eat. And the one thing I know for sure is is if there be a brother that's disorderly, if a man be called a brother, a fornicator, an idolater, covetous, with such and one know not to eat, And so if you know the man is in sin, know not to eat if he's called a brother. But as far as the publicans and the sinners, they always came to where Jesus was. And that's something I looked at many years ago. I look at those sinners. They came to where Jesus was. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But in the midst of that, sinners would come and sit at His feet. Sinners would come and worship Him. Sinners would come, and so of course the Pharisees are right there to to criticize. Right there, how dare you eat with unwashing hands? How dare you uh, do this? How dare you do that? How dare you they're not to lift one finger to help somebody? they have all the rules figured out, all the standards figured out, yet they still don't do right. And my friend, can I say to you today, if a man that will not do right, a man that will not obey the word of God or picks and chooses which verses he uses, which verses he wants to obey, which doctrines, and that's concerning grace and mercy and brotherly kindness and charity and all of those things, he picks and chooses those things, he's in danger, And we're in a day now when men pick and choose. Well, I think I'll do this and I think I'll choose. That's the respecter of persons. I don't ever want to be a respecter of persons. I don't ever want to look at one and consider him more lowly than another or look at another and consider him more highly than another. I want to consider all men as God does and sees them for who they are, not what they are, but who they are. That's the person. And therefore, I want to consider men. I don't always do that. I'm guilty of that but I'd like to get to that place where I just consider them the person. But these Pharisees don't have that ability. When Jesus heard that he said to them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. And therefore the whole do not need a physician, but the sick do. That's why he came to them. Why does he tolerate these sinners? Why doesn't he surround himself with religious people? Why doesn't he go sit at the table with all the preachers at the big fellowship? Why does he sit off in the corner with... All the people that look like they don't fit in and got different colored hair and maybe different ink marks and different clothing. Why does he have to go sit with all the three-piece suits and the Rolex watchwares? Why did Jesus Christ wasn't at that table? No, he was not. He sat somewhere and the sinners came to him. And I've learned something. Most of the big three-piece suit Rolex wearers, they wouldn't go sit with Jesus either. They would sit off on the side just like the Pharisees and criticize that the sinners are dining with him. The sinners are eating with him. The criticism. Why is there criticism? Because they think, because they're a Pharisee, they think that they have a better way, a better notion, a better way of thinking, and yet they've denied the very doctrines of the word of God. So Jesus Christ himself, as he teaches that brotherly kindness and teaches true love, he tells them it's not those that are are whole that need a physician, no, but they that are sick. And then he says, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, he didn't come to call the righteous. He didn't say, hey, all you righteous people, gather around. All you righteous people, let's just go together. Let's go down to the synagogue. We'll all hold hands, sing kumbaya, light candles, wash each other's feet. No, he called sinners to repentance. One of those, by the way, was Matthew when he said, follow me. He was calling a sinner to repentance. Did Matthew follow him? Yes, he did. And by the way, those that have come to repentance do follow Jesus Christ. That's very clear. One of the arguments I hear often about repentance, they say, well, guys say it's just a change of mind, but it's a change of mind and a turning from. But that's technically not repentance. He said you turned to God from idols, but it does accompany repentance. The word repent itself, and I am going to weigh in on this, but the word repent itself is a change of mind. But what the argument is, they say, well, these people change their mind, and they change their mind back again. Well, that's not repentance. And when you say that, you're redefining repentance. When you change your mind, you change your mind, and it's a permanent thing. You look at something, you say, you know what, I'm wrong, and you never change your mind again. Why? You've come to repentance. Repentance is not flippant. Repentance is not changing your mind and changing it again. Repentance is not coming to a place where you're willing to turn, then you turn back three months later or two years later. No, repentance accompanies you the rest of your life. Why? Because repentance is that change of your thinking. It's in your thought process. You change your mind about God. You change your mind about your relationship with God. You change your mind about your standing with God. You change your mind about your sin. And if you change your mind about your sin, you won't live in sin. If you change your mind about God, you won't live away from God. change your mind about your relationship with God, you'll have a relationship with God. And then all those other things accompany repentance. What accompanies repentance? The turn. The turning to God. Why? Because you change your thinking about God, but it's base form. That's what repentance is. When God repented uh, that he had made man upon the earth, first mention of repentance, uh, you know, did God turn from man? Did God utterly destroy man? No, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God saw that what man's deeds were only evil continually. God saw that and it repented him. What does it mean? God changed his mind about that. It was a wonderful thing until man sinned. It's a marvelous thing until man sinned. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so we see in a day now when repentance is defined so many ways, but this is the problem. They say, "Well, it's just a change of mind." And that's so flippant. They say, "Well, just a change of mind. You just change your mind about God. You pass from belief unbelief to belief. And now you believe God, you've repented." No. Repentance is a complete change of your thinking regarding the Word of God and regarding your relationship with the Word of God. And it's a complete repentance. It's not partiality, it's not turning back. There's no flippancy with it. You're not going to wishy wash repentance and say, I've repented. You know, I repented four years ago, but then I repented of my repentance. Well, you've redefined repentance because you never did repent. Because if you truly change your mind about it, you're not going to change back. If your thinking is truly changed, you've been converted to Jesus Christ. You're not going to change your thinking. You're not going to go back on God. You're not going to go back into perdition. We are not of them that draw back into perdition. He tells you that. He redefined repentance one way or the other. Some say it's a 180 degree turn. I heard him years ago. He preaches a 360 degree turn. And you know, everybody's kind of snickering. Then he hunkered down and just angrily started pounding the pulpit. You'll turn 360 degrees and you'll die and go to hell. And I'm going, dear goodness, <laughs> you know what confusion that is. You know, I think it's a 720. You know, let's get stronger with that. No, it's, a, it's not a 180 degree turn. You continue in the same way you've lived. You'll live in the same house. You'll live with the same spouse. By the way, repentance will keep you with your spouse. Repentance will help you love your children. Repentance will restore relationships that you've severed because of sin. That's what repentance will do. You won't change all of those things. You'll simply change concerning the word of God. It's basically this. God's right. I'm wrong. And he called us unto repentance. Why? It's a life of that. It never stops. That's why true repentance yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness in all the saints of God. Because it's a life that never, and that's why the confusion. That's what the one of the great lines drawn in the sand today. And they say, well, you know, you go too far. You don't think anybody's saved. Well, I'm not the judge of such things, thankfully. And a man recently said, I mean, do you think any preachers are saved? I said, my goodness, yes, I think preachers are saved. But I don't think there's low-down scum sucking dirt balls that go out there and try to dig up professions and and then turn people back over to hell and pronounce them saved and stand beside their bedside and lay hands on them, and pronounce them saved when they've lived wicked their whole life and lived in sodomy and adultery and fornication. I don't know how in the world you can put a blessing on someone like that and if you're not a hireling. And I'll see where a hireling saved. You know, as long as you give money to the church, we'll pronounce you saved. That's a hireling, friend. And people say, well, you, oh, you just, you've just you drawn lines that God didn't draw. God drew those lines. I didn't draw those lines. You say, do you think anybody's saved? Yes, I do think that. I do believe there is a righteous remnant in this world. I thank God for that righteous remnant. But let me tell you, friend, without repentance, you'll perish. If you don't get tired of your way and accept God's way, and the problem is a lot of folks think God's way is religion. That's the furthest thing from God's way. God's way has never been religion. God's way has been his son, and his son is not religion. He's not the author of religion. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because we're justified by faith of Christ. Therefore, he's not the author of religion. He didn't create religion, he didn't want religion. He wanted a, a pure church. He wanted the holy church. He wanted the spotless church. He wanted to present to the Father a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. As the old songwriter said, we'll go on a little further, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now that's what he desires. You come to repentance, you're washed, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, your life changes. That's true repentance. That's why it's such a foreign doctrine today. And yet, preachers go around getting repentance out of people claiming it's repentance and all they repented there at the bedside they repented at the bus stop they repented in the airport they have 30 seconds with them 45 seconds 2 minutes with them and they brought them to repentance skillfully with the word of God because they're such a delicate and diligent soul winner they were to convince that sinner at the airport in 3 minutes to turn from his wicked ways and be turned unto Jesus Christ to turn God from idols to lay down fornication and adultery and sodomy and robbery and murder Thoughts and and the awfulness of his life, and to turn away from all of that in simply three minutes with a profession of faith at the airport and then say, That man repented. My goodness, how dare you say that man repented? How dare you be the judge of such a thing when you leave that man in the dust and never see him again and pronounce him saved and continue your life and continue on in your religious process? How dare you pronounce that man saved? I'll tell you when I start pronouncing people saved. When they bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, that's one of the things that God has always required. What is that fruit? holiness? There's nothing else without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. How do you know this holiness? because all of a sudden they're holy, they understand the things of God. When God begins to speak to the Word of God, they're the first ones to perk up. When God falls into a service, and that unction comes upon the preacher, they're the first ones to sit up and take notice. All of a sudden, they're reading their Bible. All of a sudden, they're spending time in prayer. All of a sudden, their prayer requests change. It's no longer feeble, tepid little prayer requests. They begin to request prayer to the sincerity of their heart. Why? Because they want to see people changed. They want to see lives changed. And when you pass from death into life, you understand the process. You understand what's required. You understand what takes place. When you yourself have truly been converted, you understand. And then you see people on the outside that are not converted. They're not changed. They don't have peace. They don't have rest. They live in misery. They live in woe. Their lives are full of destruction. And you call them to repentance, and there's somebody there to tell them, No, you've already repented. But yet their life has never evidenced repentance. And my friend, when you're done with your way, I don't care if you're 8 years old, 13 years old, 18 years old, 25 years old, 75 years old. And by the way, we've seen them pretty much right now, stretched out from about 10 years old up to 75 years old these last few years. We've seen pastors saved. We've seen youth pastors saved, preachers' wives saved under the ministry. Why? They've never come repentance. they've never been done with their way. they've never had peace they've never had joy but then the entrance of the Word of God comes and that light shines in their heart they say woe is me All I had was a profession all I had was words all I had was repetition but now I see me for what I am but more so I see God for who he is and because of that I'm turning. because of that I'm done. I have I have repented. And I'm going to turn to God from idols. I see God's way. He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he didn't come to call the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. And if you're listening today and you know you're a sinner and you see yourself truly as a sinner, you have more hope than the average man. You have more hope than the average person. But acknowledging you're a sinner has never saved anybody. Acknowledging your sin has never saved you. What you got to acknowledge is that God is holy and you're unholy. God is just and you're unjust. And when you're done with your way and willing to receive his way, his dear Son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said. And if you're willing to come through Jesus Christ, he is willing to save. Why, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Maybe God's called you today. Maybe this is just, just something else in the podcast. God's had me preach for a purpose. We cut it off early yesterday. Maybe God had that for a reason. You'd be listening today and hear that there is hope through the doctrine of repentance. And Without that repentance, my friend, you'll perish. Without, without that repentance, you'll die in your iniquity. Would you repent? Have a great weekend. There is a lost soul who's tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website the word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption for all of nine. There only was nine. Now the angels of God are rejoicing. For the prodigal child has come home.